it's hard to explain to people who don't have it because it is such a contradictory condition because people be like oh you're so organized and I am really organized I'm always on time and I'm really tidy and that has come from a lot of coping mechanisms I do not like being late in fact I have a phobia of being late I'm terrified of being late and I know a lot of other ADHD women are the same about the lateness thing I'm also I used to be very untidy like really untidy as a child. And now I'm really tidy to the point where if something's out of place, I have to put it back because it will distract me. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. This week, I'd like to share an excerpt from an email I received from a woman named Rosie in New Zealand. Rosie writes, hi, Katie. I just wanted to take a quick minute to say thanks for the great podcasts. I was only diagnosed just over a year ago at the age of 49, and my life suddenly makes sense. You understand the deep and complex levels to this. I describe ADHD as having a Windows operating system brain in an Apple Mac world. Getting even simple things done can be a long, arduous reformatting process that others would do with ease. I think medication has moved a number of these things now onto auto format, but there is still so much work to do. Thank you again for your real and insightful podcasts, which of course I am hyper-focusing on and binge listening. Kia ora no o mahi nui. Maori for thank you so much for your important work. Oh my goodness, I love the operating system analogy. And of course I love the Maori phrase. So thank you, Rosie, for sharing. And I'm so pleased that you are enjoying these interviews. For everyone else, I love hearing your feedback and I love receiving reviews. They're such a nice dopamine hit and they feel like a virtual hug and a pat on the head. So please keep them coming. Even just hitting those five stars in Apple Podcasts is a real boost for helping this podcast get noticed and helping other women discover these amazing stories. Okay, welcome to episode 19, in which I interview Annabelle Louise Walker, aka ADHD Galaxy. Annabelle was diagnosed with ADHD during lockdown, and since then she's made it her mission to inspire other ADHDers to see the positives of living with a galaxy brain, and to educate people about what it is like living with ADHD. Annabelle runs her own tutoring and coaching business, helping many children with ADHD and dyslexia, and has always been an avid amateur writer and artist. And soon after her diagnosis, she even wrote a children's book about ADHD called Hattie and Ada, in which she highlights the positives of ADHD for kids. There's a link to find out more about that book in the episode show notes. We talk about what chronic immaturity looks like in girls and women with ADHD, because a lot of us do share this trait. And we also talk about emphasizing the positives, as well as the benefits of dancing, chocolate, and cheese. Annabelle has a lot of energy, so sit back, strap yourself in, and enjoy the ride. So you are what I've been calling a pandemic diagnosis, which I love talking because I also was, you know recently diagnosed, um, and, and a lot of what my own diagnosis came about was, was from just, you know, my own symptoms escalating and feeling like my life had imploded when we were on lockdown. So I'm curious to hear about your journey 
um, and talk about all of the incredible things that you've done as a result. Like that's what I love. I was watching a video of yours on your, on your Instagram where you were like, yes, I was diagnosed in July, wrote a children's book in August. (laughs) That is so ADHD. (laughs) Tell me about kind of what made you first think that you seriously had ADHD? What kind of led up to your diagnosis and, and when that was? Right. So um, when I was younger, when I was probably um, four, five, six, I don't know the exact age. My mum has an inkling that I had ADHD. I didn't have really any of the inattention symptoms back then. It was more kind of the hyperactivity and impulsiveness. I had some level of inattention, but it wasn't anything that was particularly bad. Um, I was always renowned for being the one that was like a whirlwind in the playground. Um, I was relatively okay in the classroom, but I used to rush everything and I would um, distract other children if I wasn't interested. I wasn't naughty, but I was challenging for the teacher when I was younger. So um, I actually met my old teacher today in the park and my mum told her about the diagnosis and she said, I'm not shocked at all. So it was kind of obvious that I had that reputation when I was younger. Um, So my mum actually went to a meeting about ADHD when I was about six. She now reveals um, because she thought that I'd got ADHD right from that age and people around her thought I had as well. Um, However, she was told at the meeting because I slept well, that I didn't have it. Um, And I've always had a decent sleeping pattern. I do sometimes struggle with getting to sleep. But once I'm asleep, I tend to be okay, apart from night terrors that I've had since I was younger. But my sleeping pattern isn't terrible. I'm not one of these people who has a who goes to bed at 1am and then gets up at 10am. I genuinely do sort of sleep 11 till 7. And I've always slept quite well. But I put that down to my mum's parenting. She was always really really funny about me going to sleep on time but then I was knackered because I would be jumping around the entire day so I was that hyperactive um but it kind of school was difficult in terms of I was anxious I had a panic disorder develop when I was 11 um or 10 I think it was actually um and I always felt like the odd one out in class I never felt like I couldn't understand people but I always felt like I couldn't respond to them. So I kind of understood everyone, but I didn't respond in the way other kids did. So I kind of knew there was something off, but I, I kind of, I did well. I was quite academic. Um, I liked school in the academic sense. I didn't like the social side at all, but um, I went through school, started an open university degree, um, started when I started that, I started to truly feel like there was a problem with my attention span. Uh, Because I was struggling with the reading because I did history. Um, I was struggling with the fact that I had to focus on it without any accountability. I did it because my parents were my accountability. I have to have constant accountability or I do nothing. Uh, I only just really realised this. Um, And that kind of made me think, you know what, I'm not like other people. I'm struggling a lot more with this degree than I should do with the A-level grades I got. Um, So then pandemic hit um, and I had to take my entire business a visiting business very tactile kind of business I had to take it all online and oh yeah it I just went into this complete and utter whirlwind of anxiety depression stress every emotion under the sun I had at that point in time I kind of, it was all fine at the beginning because it was this big novelty but then it started to wear wear down this my tolerance to it 
And I got to the point where I was just thinking, I don't want to live anymore. I'm just, I'm not coping. I, I don't even want to live. If there's no end in sight for this pandemic, what if it never ends? Um, where are me? People keep seeing me three weeks. What does three weeks look like? I don't, my head's just in a spin. Um, feeling fine physically, but mentally I was just, I just completely collapsed. And I spoke to one of my friends and she was already had said a few years back ADHD and I hadn't listened to her. Um, and I, I spoke to a coach who did help me um, and I sort of buried it under the carpet again. Oh, no, I can't have ADHD because I did well in school. And um, that was always my I can't have it because I did well in school. Um, so then it all kind of died down a little bit. I got to the point where I was coping OK with it. And then... I put some of my school reports on Facebook as a joke to cheer some of my friends up. Um, and <clears throat> one of my friends is a GP actually got back to me and said, your reports look like they could potentially show you've got ADHD. And I was, okay, that's, you're not the first person that said that. Uh, I said, well, you sure it's not autism? She said, oh, no, no, you're not autistic. I know you really well. You're not autistic. And she lives with an autistic family. And she said, you're definitely not on the spectrum, but you've definitely neurodiverse. Like, oh, so your man. reports, when you said you you did well in school, so was it just yeah. the fact that there was uh, such a disparity in grades? or what? There was, no, 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 there was nothing with, it's nothing with my grades. My grades were always pretty good because I'm one of those people that if I'm in a classroom, I learn. I like, I like the accountability. If there's a lot of people around me, I will work because I can't bear anyone to see that I'm not achieving. I'm really tenacious. I'm one of those people that if there's people around me, I will please those people. If there's no one around me, I will just sit and I will just be on Facebook. It's really <laughs> bad. My mum comes here when I'm cleaning just to make sure I get it done. It's that, it's that sort of accountability. I'm a people pleaser. Um, but the school reports, um, what they were saying was things like she's got an unusual, unique um, personality. She struggles with her peers. She struggles with her reactions. She's highly excitable. She doesn't listen. Listening was the big one that was really going through the reports, right, sort of until I was about 13 when um, I got it under control a bit more. Um, but until then, listening was a big problem. Um, even now, listening is a big problem, to be fair. Um, but the excitability thing was the thing she picked out. I could not calm myself down. If something was excitable, I would be bouncing around on my chair the entire lesson. Teachers loved it because I was like the kid in the class that would always put their all into everything. And I wasn't the tip. I wasn't the child that I got could try harder with me. It was slow down. Don't get started until we've told you what to do. And I was sitting there all the time with my hand up like this. I was constantly it was my dream, the classroom. And this is why I didn't get diagnosed, because my my whole even now I have my own classroom because classrooms are my safe space. Aww. It's so, it's so different, but I've met a lot of ADHDers who are the same since <laughs> she started this journey. Um, put me in like a meeting room with someone standing in the front talking about something and I'll switch off. But a classroom where I put my hand up and get involved, write things down. I make loads of notes when I was in school because I have to be moving my hands constantly. All of this stuff kind of came together. So I booked an appointment. Um, and I got diagnosed on the 17th of July, a week after I booked the appointment because I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get it on the NHS. I thought, you know what? I've got enough money to pay for it. And I'm, I went and got it diagnosed and I was kind of clear cut case, I think. <laughs> As I, I've talked a lot. I'm so sorry. 
I was I was curious when you went to get your diagnosis if you were if you had any fear that you were not going to get the diagnosis because I, I've talked to so many women and I I certainly had that feeling where I had all this evidence and all these self tests and I just like felt so seen and so understood by the literature and by this community for the first time in my life that I just was terrified that the doctor was going to say like no it's fine you know I don't think I don't think that's yeah. what it is. I did actually. I was I was kind of worried, and on the report, I was like, "Mum, you better," because she had to do like this. Um, oh, what do they call it? Uh, um, oh, something's report where the person who knows you yes. has to write like I can't remember what informant report. That's the one. Uh, I can't get the words out. And um, I was like, "Mum, me, please make sure you put everything down because." I, I want them to know what I was like. I don't want you to cover it up. So she put everything down. In fact, I uh, I had to type it up because she doesn't really use a computer. And yeah, she put everything down. Uh, <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, I don't even remember doing that. And then like two months later, I'm like, yeah, I do remember doing that. And that was quite embarrassing. Um, but yeah, I, I was scared I wouldn't get a diagnosis and I was scared I would. Um, mm. I was scared I wouldn't because... I knew it wasn't anything physical that had come on over COVID. I knew it wasn't something that come on when I was 20. This was something my entire childhood. There'd been something my parents had known, I'd known, but we couldn't put our finger on what it was. My mum had thought ADHD since I was, she, to be fair, she said I was a difficult baby. So, I mean, I know it doesn't show when you're a baby, but she said we, even when you were a little, very small child, you were difficult compared to other people's children. My dad was another one. I mean, we know that's where it comes from now. Um, but it was kind of like, I know what it is in my head. I started to talk to ADHD communities, as we all do. And I was like, oh my gosh, these women understand me. Like, they, I mean, I don't have all the symptoms. We don't have, none of us have all the symptoms. But these women understand me. They're like, I can't believe there's this group of people that exist out there that get me and I've been like the whole of my life people have thought I'm crazy people like me I've never been unpopular but I've always been misunderstood and it's like wow this is just completely crazy and I thought if I don't get diagnosed what on earth is it Mm, yes if it's autism I was scared of getting an autism diagnosis not because I was scared of having autism because I know a lot of autistic people are some of the loveliest people I know I was scared because I thought well it wouldn't explain anything. It wouldn't have explained the symptoms I'd had. I was always known as the sociable child, the one who was really, I had always had great understanding of like body language and sarcasm, all that stuff very early on, but I just couldn't respond to it. And that was what my mum always, if you can't, you understand it, but you can't respond to it properly. You, mm -hmm. you cry or you laugh in inappropriate situations, but it's clear you've understood that that's the wrong thing to do. You're just too impulsive to stop yourself. That was the biggest one, actually, that my mum wrote down that it's always been the talking has been the main thing with me. I just never stop. From the moment I started, I because never we find everything fascinating. I know. <laughs> it's like oh, a butterfly, a caterpillar. Wrong order. It should be caterpillar butterfly. But there you, go. you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, that was incredible. Well, it's very intuitive of your mother to sort of make those connections when you were so young. Yeah, and and then to have it sort of downplayed by doctors or experts. Yeah. I think the thing is, back then, it was it was a boy's thing. It was, um, and it was a kind of thing, if you didn't sleep, you didn't have ADHD. Um, and yeah, I slept. I still sleep. 
I'm one of the lucky people that sleeps. Um, I get to sleep relatively simply. I get up in the morning with a spark because I am so desperate to get out of bed and see what's going on around me. I'm not one of the people that has a sleep disorder, but not everyone does. I have other things with the ADHD. I'm far, far, suffer far more with the RSD than a lot of other ADHDers. I suffer a lot more with the not listening. Um, and I suffer intensely with the fact that I just can't work for anyone. I have to work for myself. And that came, became evident when I was 15 years old. So I have suffered with other things a lot more. But sleep has never been, really been a problem at all. Yeah. I've been through periods yeah. of sleep problems, but it's never it's never been something people moan about not being able to get up and having to set multiple alarms. Yeah, I have an alarm. And to be fair, I don't want to get up at 7am in the middle of winter. But I can't say sleep's a problem. I do sleep, but then I move around a lot. I think my body just goes bang. Um, so then how did, uh, let's see, I want to talk about um, after your diagnosis and, and sort of what your next steps were. Um, but I also want to talk about how you got into tutoring. Because oh, it's, it's, I think it's almost a an audacious choice when you, when you look back with ADHD, because we have such a complex relationship with education. (laughs) So how did you get into that? Well, the thing I've noticed just to sidestep a little bit, which we're both doing quite a lot, um, is that I've met a lot of ADHDers, obviously more women because I belong to quite a lot of women's group groups. And I want to talk to quite a lot of women anyway, because our symptoms are often different. Um, But what I've noticed is probably looking at it around 80% of women with ADHD are in education or coaching. And that is something that I find quite startling. These are the women I've spoken to. I don't know what the statistics are like outside of that. But I am blown away by the fact that people who had a difficult time in school go into education now for me school I look back at school and it's 50% great memories because I loved learning and I did have very good teachers I was lucky 50% looking back I had a horrific level of anxiety I didn't have any friends real proper friends Um, I struggled with um, understanding people I acted younger than I was that was the biggest problem of all, acting younger. I, when I was nine, I acted about six. Um, I was typical ADHD, executive age. It, um, apart from being able to organise myself because of my mum, I was really young for my age. I really struggled with that. Um, but the academic side got me through because I've always had quite a high IQ. And that, to be fair, that's not something that I found particularly easy because I had this low executive age really high IQ I'm not answering your question at all am I Um, so why did I go into tutoring I went into tutoring on a distraction that is why my email address is action in distraction Um, one day I did this cleaning job for a few years Um, it was to be fair I didn't mind I don't mind cleaning for other people to be fair I don't mind cleaning for myself so long as there's someone in my environment around me that I can talk to while I'm doing it Mm -hmm. Um, but I got this cleaning job and it was okay but I dreaded it because it was boring and I thought everyone was like this to the point where they had to change the order of the cleaning every single time to make it more fun and I used to listen to podcasts and stuff and I was at home one afternoon and I was thinking I don't want to do this for the rest of my life I've almost got a degree what am I going to do so I'm sitting there oh I'm going to set up a business so I set up a business Bedford Tutor but this wasn't the first time I did that in the school library when I was 15 I set up a kids entertaining business 
Um, and I did that for a while as well. I tend to set up businesses without any planning at all. So I set up this business and I was I like, I, had hearing, I loved hearing about how, how many of you Honestly. have, how many of us have like started, started these I know. at such young ages. It's crazy. My mum was like, oh, you've not set up another business. How are you going to run it? I'm like, well, I haven't got that far. I'm not, I'm just going to have a go. She's like, what about the accountant? I'm like, mum, the accountant will be fine. I've got it all under control. I'm not having a clue. I've never cheated in my life I started advertising for it thinking well I might as well have a go and yeah I got my first client and I found that actually yeah teaching was something that I was sort of I felt like I was born to do as soon as I'd done my first lesson I thought no I want to do this for the rest of my life um and yeah the business grew started online tuition started to tutor in Saudi Arabia online um and it just became big thing and then my parents are so lucky my parents helped me buy this house which is an old chapel um and it's got a classroom out the back which is my ADHD friendly classroom full of distractions and color it's perfect and um I kind of I drifted into this very hands-on style of teaching and I, I always people was like, why did you go in? Why did you go into this specific style of teaching? Getting on so well with dyslexic children, getting on with children with ADHD, not knowing back then. Oh, I've got this neurodiversity. Always managing to hit it off with the kids that got ADHD and dyslexia. They're the two groups of kids. And yeah, I it just kind of happened and it got bigger. And now it's full time job. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, I I think. Hitting on your point about women who have ADHD who tend to be coaches and teachers, I think there is a heightened level of empathy in general. But yes. you think about like we must we have incredible amounts of empathy for children who struggle. Mm. And you know, just thinking about my own children and how even before I was diagnosed, how I felt like you know, there, there's a sense of redemption when you're parenting, you know, that you can sort of like all these things that I struggled with, I'm going to make better for you and I'm going to help yeah. you now. No, even, I agree. Right. And so yeah. it makes complete sense. I think that we have that desire to like, when we see a kid who hasn't figured out the puzzle, you know, or is struggling in some way, uh, totally we want to scoop in and, and, you know say like oh it's not all everything we learned is not for naught you know we can at least no I totally agree I totally agree it's it was like that but I didn't know I was neurodiverse I just thought I've got this high level of empathy I'm such a kind of uh, empath and I did have quite a few parents who had kids with ADHD come in and the kids just like naturally gelled with me and the parents are like you're so similar to my child. And even before the school reports on Facebook, I'd had a lot of parents sort of say, you sure you haven't got ADHD kind of thing? I mean, no, 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 because I did well in school. I always had that argument. I did well in school. When you start reading things that say ADHD is that often do well in school, you're like, oh, that was kind of the turning thing. When my friend is a GP, the one who saw the reports, she works alongside a GP who has ADHD, who did well in school she said believe me a lot of people with ADHD do well in school it's if school's your hyper focus you're laughing that's like it was my hyper focus I was obsessed with school I, I was absolute not all subjects I was obsessed with a lot of subjects to the point I would work as I would go into hyper focusing class and I remember doing it because I used to lose my rag if anyone interrupted me when I was in deep hyper focus and I used to have it happen and now I look back and I think it all makes so much sense. Oh, yeah. 
I remember when I was in university, I was, um, you know, this was really before the internet. So I had decided that my, <laughs> I decided that my senior thesis was going to be about, I, I took political science in university. And so my wow. senior thesis was about secession and civil, uh-huh. civil unrest. And I really wanted to do a project on Sri Lanka and the Tamil Tigers. Mm. And I just couldn't find enough like firsthand information. I grew up in Toronto and Canada and like, there just wasn't enough firsthand information. So I decided I would just like buy a ticket and fly to Sri Lanka. And I spent the summer in Sri Lanka wow. and did all of this like hyper-focused research and all these, like spend all this time gathering information and gathering information and reading the newspapers and becoming like an expert. But then when it came to actually writing the thesis, it was really, really a struggle for me. And I spent the entire year trying to write it and then ended up getting like yeah, like a B minus or something that just was so deflating. And it's, just, it's moments like that where I, I look back and I think like, yeah, you know, it, how when we find the motivation, we are absolutely like 150% driven to do things. And so it makes sense that the, some of us, you know, when some of us are good at, who are good students, because our motivation, like you said, was people pleasing, you know, or, or just showing that we could do something. And that, that often is, is a motivation for so many of us in school yeah and I think that's that's often and I was um I am really trying hard to write an article for attitude because that's like one of my dreams I already write for another ADHD magazine and I sent them this article because I said to them I really want to see more about people who do well in school because people are getting missed because they're like oh they might be struggling in their job because of inattentiveness or impulsivity etc but they did well in school so they're instantly thinking no I can't have ADHD I can't I did well in school I, I went university I even though it was a struggle and I had anxiety or depression or an eating disorder or this or that I still did well I still did good great got good grades and I mean I got good grades but I think with help I could have got better mm-hmm. and I look back now and I think you know what I think some of this was actually down to just um probably getting bored with the subject because I get bored really easily like really easily embarrassingly easily for a 31 year old but there you go <laughs> Just what it is, isn't it? <laughs> now, you said you got on with uh, children with dyslexia. Did you? Do you yes. have that, or is that I don't looked into. I don't I definitely don't have dyslexia I have a friend who's a dyslexia specialist and he actually screened me for dyslexia he did my IQ about four years ago um and I said do I have dyslexia he said you definitely don't have dyslexia I do have problems with left and right (laughs) I know that's an ADHD thing um I never had a problem with spelling or reading um I was not hyperlexic I'm sort of quite average until I got to like slightly older and then I um, got really good at English uh, so no I've never had a problem with spelling reading um, I do have a problem with some elements of like left and right I've always had a problem with I have a problem remembering multi-step instructions but I know that's more an ADHD thing um, I think my dad is dyslexic um, if he is it's really mildly it's just he has quite a personality profile of someone who's dyslexic um, and I think there's dyslexia in the family um, but I know I'm not dyslexic yeah I've been learning a lot recently about dyspraxia which was oh, something yes. I didn't even know existed until I started doing my own ADHD research uh, looking into it I probably have it I'm pretty sure my nine-year-old son has it because we're sort of deciding you know where my husband was always convinced he had dyslexia because he 
confuses B's and D's and P's and Q's and all of that stuff. And then I was sort of like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like it fits. And then I, I discovered dyspraxia. I was reading all of the checklists and I was like, oh yeah, okay. That's all, that's all of it. The messy handwriting and the, you know, it's having a hard time just even staying on the lines, um, all of that. Yeah, I, I get that. I can get that. I always had trouble in sports. Like if we were given a list of instructions to do, I would always be like, help. (laughs) <laughs> I'm fine if I've got them written down in front of me. I'm a very visual person. If someone gives me the instructions out loud, I'm like, what? Yeah. And it's like if we did dance at school, I would dread it because I can't I can't remember the routine. And I'm like, oh no. And I'm actually, I've always been really good at dancing, which is quite embarrassing, but I never did very well at school because I can't remember the routine. It's got nothing to do with my ability to dance. If I'm given the chance to dance freely, I'm a good dancer. But if I had to do the the actual um, sort of memory side of it, and I used to think there was something wrong with my memory, because if I've not got it written down, I'm going to be like, what? It's auditory. It's definitely an auditory thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't listen to people either. <laughs> I try. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is, it is fascinating how many women who, once they got older, before they were diagnosed, started wondering if they were getting early onset Alzheimer's because oh, yeah. of the memory issues and some of that, um, what's, the, what's the word, like the... Uh, function memory functioning memory now yeah. what it's called what's it called it's like I know what you mean mine were actually worse when I was younger um I don't find this too much problem with my memory now because I've got everything in such a structure yeah. um yeah. and I do memory exercises my memory actually it's distractions I'm fine if I don't have any distractions my mm. memory itself I can I've been working on my um working memory and it's fine it's fine so long as I'm not distracted but the problem is I usually am distracted. So <laughs> you've got to laugh. I mean, <laughs> it just feels oh, so well. good to be able to label it all though. I think that's I know. wonderful. It really is. Okay. So you got diagnosed in the middle of July yeah. and within what, a month you had um, started coaching. Was it the coaching? Was it the Instagram? Yeah. Was it the children's book? Which came first? The coaching began in November. Um, I'm not doing this in order, but then do you really expect that? (laughs) Uh, The coaching started in November. Um, I just, I did a coaching course over the summer. Uh, I got a hundred percent because it became a hyper focus. (laughs) And then I did a meditation and mindfulness teaching qualification um, because I love meditation and mindfulness. I know a lot of ADHDs hate it, but I do genuinely think it's changed my life. And this is why I'm coping with another lockdown because of mindfulness and meditation. Um, so for me, it works. For others, it may not. So it's pure personal preference. Um, so that has taken off. Um, I've got three, I've got two clients at the moment. Um, I'm hopefully inducting my third on Wednesday. Um, I've had lots of other clients who've just had short-term coaching did it voluntarily before I started doing paid just to see if I was kind of cut out for it Um, but I've been coaching children um, for a good five years so it was moving up to adults without causing any offense coaching adults with ADHD you have to use similar techniques to what you use with teenagers Um, so it was quite an easy step um, plus having ADHD helps. Uh, the book, Hady and Ada, um, was actually, the main character, Hady, is based on one of the girls I tutor. Obviously, I can't use names, um, but she's very happy that she's kind of got her 
character in a book. She's not called Hadi. Uh, my mum came up with the names. So I was trying to get ADHD in there. Hadi and Ada. It's kind of Hadi HD. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, it's my mum came up with them. Um, and I do want to do a sequel, but I don't tend to do like the sequels for anything because I start something else. Uh, that's kind of like my life. It's just uncompleted projects. Um, but I was determined to finish it, did it over the summer. Um, and yeah, selling it and all the money goes to the ADHD Foundation because I, to be fair, uh, it's not for profit. It is to try and help people get diagnosed because it's it's not that, I, I mean, I wouldn't give it away. If, if I could give away the ADHD, I wouldn't because it's made me successful. Um, however, I know some people are not like that. It purely depends on your support network. My parents are amazing. They, my mum still does my washing um, because she knows how busy I am with my job. And it's a case of I've got a support network. I had a great childhood. I lived in the country where there was lots of space. My dad built me a hurdle when I was eight because I was constantly jumping over things. They were good parents um, and I can't fault their parenting. I mean, there's a few things they did that I look back and think, but then all parents do. But yeah, a lot of people say they had childhood trauma and problems with siblings. I was an only child who had no childhood trauma. So that's I think that's part of the reason why I don't struggle as much as some people because I don't have bad memories apart from the phobia and the anxiety when I was younger which was horrific I mean I wasn't going into school for a year properly um but everyone's like oh she's just got anxiety and it wasn't just anxiety I knew myself it wasn't just anxiety because I wasn't I'd never been anxious before never ever been anxious I just couldn't cope with the school and it was it disappeared when I was at home, which was sad. But um, looking back, it's so clear. It really is. It's so clear. But mm-hmm. nothing I can do about the past. I can only look forward. <clears throat> so, so what's the plot of the book? What are these two characters? The plot, um, it's, it's not really a story as much as just a sort of introduction to these two characters who get on. They're both best friends. Um, and they it's to show children how all the sort of positives of ADHD and a sort of, um, it's not even a story as much as just introducing two characters and telling the world what people with ADHD can do. So they both draw together. Um, they both notice things and they explain what their minds feel like a lot in the book um because I wanted to get across Hadi is combined whereas sorry yeah Hadi's combined whereas um Ada is inattentive so I wanted to get across those two forms I haven't I have got a hyperactive impulsive person coming in the next one but the next one may never get written so <laughs> it's in my head they go into space in the next one well I get them lost in space and um one of them one of the aliens sends them home a little alien creature thingy with ADHD. It's like a planet of ADHD aliens. But I don't know if this will ever happen. It mm. could. Um, it probably will next summer. But I'm a summer. I like doing things in the summer. If I'm going to be motivated, it's going to be in the summer, not in the winter. <laughs> it's like, let's do it in the summer. Sit outside under a tree and draw. I'm off topic again. I don't know where I even started with that one. <laughs> no. no, that's a great point. I think, you know, Self-awareness is so key when it comes to productivity and being able to I am a summer person, definitely. I am pretty, to be fair, I'm really productive. I not have a problem with productivity because the only productivity I'm expected to do is around my job. 
mm-hmm. um, and keeping this house I live in, it's only a small cottage clean. Um, and yeah, I mean, my job doesn't take any effort because I just love it. Mm. So it, it doesn't feel like work, which is important. Yeah. And I think. I think that's something that we we struggle to realize before diagnosis, at least, which is how hardworking we are and how productive mm. we are because we yeah. focus so much on that kind of the guilt that's associated with yes. our downtime and, and our oh lack of focus. God. And so like, I remember I've, you know, when I did get my diagnosis and I was explaining to my doctor, all of these ways in which I had kind of all the hacks that I had developed in my life leading up to, you know, like people who tend to forget their keys all the time or lose their keys. And I'm like, no, no, very like rigid system of where I leave them and how I do this. And I leave myself reminders and everything. And she, and I remember her commenting on just like what a hard worker I was for coming up with all of these different hacks. And it was the first time I ever, anybody had ever said that to me. I mean, you know, with that idea that yes. I can now kind of, I can now recognize and, and actually like internalize that idea of, of how, productive and, and hardworking we truly are mm, uh, definitely and and that's sort of shifted like I said like looking at when I what are optimal times of the year that I'm productive or yes. you know I can lie on the couch for a day because I needed that because I was hyper focusing on my computer for hours and hours and hours you know and, yeah and realizing all of that in the context is so important it is it is I actually I see that now and um, I've always had this guilt all the time not as much now that I've got to be doing something constantly. And I watch neurotypical people, they're sort of collapsed on the sofa watching a box set. And I'm sitting there thinking, I need to do this now. I know, but what, what if I do this? I could do that. And I don't do any of these things because I can't decide which one to do. Um, but I'm constantly like ruminating on what should I do next? Should I be doing this? My dad's the worst one. He cannot sit still. He will be constantly doing something. It eats cycles everywhere. He's mowing the grass and not this time of the year. He is constantly doing something. And I look back and I'm like, he's always been like that. And other dads were not like that. <laughs> and I'm like, now I'm like it. My mom is pretty much the same. I'm kind of thinking both my parents have got quite a lot of uh, symptoms. I think it came together with me. <laughs> it's um, my mom. Now she knows about ADHD. She has looked up all the symptoms and she's kind of she, a couple more points and would probably get her an assessment. But she is, um, she's pretty inattentive, um, but she's not inattentive enough to get a diagnosis. So it was during the coaching that you started ADHD Galaxy? The Instagram. Yeah, ADHD Galaxy came before everything else. Well, oh, okay. it, came, it was after the diagnosis, it came before the book and it came before the coaching. It was Galaxy book coaching I'm going to put in a line there okay so um ADHD galaxy I kind of thought you know what I'm going to start an Instagram another (laughs) as you do um so started up ADHD galaxy and um yeah I it's become a bit of a hyper focus for me and I do seem to be progressing with this one I think it's because I keep getting followers and I'm like put some more stuff out for them um and I thought no I'm going to go for the positive slant there's a lot of Instagram accounts out there that are kind of very deficit based so nothing wrong with that um but I thought I'm going to go for the real positive one 
So I've got this, I've got this really positive vibe that I want to put across on the posts without um, making it purely positive. Um, I want it to be positive whilst accepting that I've covered the negatives as well. So people don't feel that I haven't covered that ground. Um, and I put my artwork on there. Um, I, I just kind of have a myriad of different things going on on there. It's just it's sort of like an explosion of me on there um and I just hope to grow it because it's it's all original stuff on there um and I just I think it's important that people get positivity around ADHD because I don't view it as a deficit I view it as a difference and actually think that evolution wants to keep ADHD in the human population I don't believe that um it's a difficulty in terms, I believe it's difficult, but only because we live in a neurotypical world. If we lived in an ADHD world, the neurotypicals would be the ones who are struggling um, because ADHD is something, it's not like a lot of conditions that are purely negative. I mean, a lot of disabilities don't have any positives attached to them. I mean, you wouldn't want certain disabilities. Um, however, ADHD has some superpowers. Um, and if it wasn't for that, I would not have this business because I would be probably doing a normal everyday job, nine till five, um, enjoying it as much as everyone else does, coming home, watching TV. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I needed to do that job to help the kids I help and to help the adults I help. So I am very reluctant to admit that it's a disorder or a deficit or anything other than just the difference and the pe reason people medicate is because they need to fit into a world which isn't set up for them. Mm. It's kind of like rounding off the square peg to make it a little bit more suitable for the hole it goes in. Right. I know I'm always amazed at how, what a small percentage of the population are diagnosed as ADHD because it feels to me like it like should more. be so much larger, especially yeah. when you d use the, you know, the, the description of like the, the hunter gatherer versus the farmer. Yes, that's the and one I use. Right. Yeah. And it makes so yeah. much sense. And so I feel no. like it's 50% of us. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's got to be a much larger percentage of us who are trying to, like you said, who are square pegs, who yeah, are trying definitely. to jam ourselves into these systems that were made for the farmers. And it's um, true. It's so yeah. true. And uh, the more I look around people now, I kind of, when I go to the park and I'm like, mm, yeah, I think you've got it. Um, <laughs> you might have it. And I talk to people, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you definitely, definitely have it. You're never going to know, but you have it. Um, and I kind of look at people in the family and I'm like, mm, yeah, you, you probably had it too. And yeah, it's like, yeah. you, I do, I think it's more than four or 5%. I probably think it's closer to one in 10. That's my belief. I don't think it's as high as 50%. Um, I can see what you mean, though, about that. But I think probably in order for a society to have survived back then, probably one in 10 of the people would have needed to go out and hunt and right. the other nine farm or do other things around the house. I know now I'd have been out there hunting because I notice everything. <laughs> uh, I, I will literally, people come. When I was younger, I was like, I'd go around someone's house. I will notice everything and then tell a story about it. It's like that child tells stories about everything. That was me as a child. It was like I noticed everything. Mm. My filter's just not there at all. Oh, I know. Yeah, I I've, I tend to blurt things out all the time, and um, mm. 
uh, never think about whether they're appropriate or not, or if I should have said them. And it's funny because I was talking to some, one of my interviews recently, we were talking about how we get told we're brave all the time because, oh uh, yeah, that, because, or, you know, there's this sense of like vulnerability and openness. And I'm like, I don't do that intentionally. Like I'm not intentionally brave. I just blurt and I am impulsive yeah. and I don't think about whether or not I should share something until it's already out there in the world. And then people are like, wow, that was really brave of you to share that. And I'm like, it was? Why? What was what, what was brave about it? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I'm like that. I just, um, I will impulsively say what's on my mind. And that was one of the big problems when I was younger. Mm, yeah. um, that I used to just say things to people and my mum was worried about taking me out. That's why I'm an only child. Because I was I was difficult. I mean, I, I they know now. They're not blaming me for it. They knew there was something. Yeah. Um, but I think they were kind of hoping I'd outgrow whatever that was. <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> and I mean, it's different now. I'm not constantly racing around the garden all the time. Um, now it's just an inner kind of, oh, I need to do that. No, I need to do that. No, I need to do this. But then I need to sort that. And I can't even cook a meal, like a microwave meal without doing something else. It's, oh. it's kind of, it's sort of five minutes. If I've got to wait five minutes, I have to do something else. And it's other people like, gosh, she's so impatient. Her mind's so fast. I get that a lot. Your mind is so fast. And I hear about this thing about slower processing. But I'm like, slow processing? <laughs> I've processed it before you've said it. I have not got slow processing. Then I think, well, actually, the way that I respond to it, I probably have processed that quite slowly. I just responded to it so poorly for how quickly I thought I'd processed it. So it's all... What I struggle with with ADHD is the fact that it's hard to explain to people who don't have it because it is such a contradictory condition because people be like, oh, you're so organized and I am really organized. I'm always on time and I'm really tidy. And that has come from a lot of coping mechanisms. I do not like being late. In fact, I have a phobia of being late. I'm terrified of being late. And I know a lot of other ADHD women are the same about the lateness thing. Um, also, I used to be very untidy, like really untidy as a child. And now I'm really tidy to the point where if something's out of place, I have to put it back because it will distract me. Mm, so I'm a little old. OCD in there. Yes, no, there definitely. I haven't got OCD because I don't do anything repetitive whatsoever. There's no repetition in my tidiness. It's it's chaotic, but it gets done. <laughs> I just don't mess the place up. I live on my own, so it's not a problem. However, when I'm in a mess, I'm more creative. Mm. My brain is a mess. It's so messy up there. It's literally like a complete, like, you know, those pictures where people are going upstairs, but it looks like they're going across and down and round. And it's kind of like that. Yeah, that. (laughs) It's like that going on in the head. So I'm like, right, in order for my head to be at least some level of stability, I have to have a clean environment because I can't have the mess in the environment like I do in the head. Um, So yeah, I'm tidy. I'm on time. Um, Apart, that's sort of where it ends the kind of coping mechanisms. I'm horrifically emotional, horrific at listening, as you can probably see. Um, I move around all the time. Like I'm on time and I'm tidy. Mm-hmm. And people now think I'm organized because of that. Yeah. Um, and I am organized with my job, but I also muddle my way through. I'm so good at covering it up. People never guess, but I can't cover up the hyperactivity and the impulsiveness at all. Mm. 
interesting it's really hard to cover them up it's you can cover up inattention I think a lot that's why kids get missed when they're inattentive in school but you it's hard to cover up impulsiveness because the impulsiveness for me comes out as blurting things out and talking constantly and that's kind of I can't stop talking and people are oh but are you nervous I'm like no I'm not nervous I'm really excited I can't stop I'm like want to know about everything I think when it comes to children it's all about how disruptive the behavior is so yes. you know and I think one thing that why girls tend to not be diagnosed is because their behavior isn't necessarily as disruptive in the classroom they're they're inattentive they're daydreamers or yeah. you know they're not listening some things that are easy like you said easy to cover up they're not dancing on the desks mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I only ever did that once <laughs> <laughs> you're just looking at me like I bet you did that I have danced on tables before I'm not gonna lie my best friend uh, well one of my best friends um, he's got ADHD who I recently got back in contact with he's now become a really close friend he uh, one of my greatest memories from school is of him dancing on the tables he doesn't remember but I do and um, I was clapping that's awesome. Were you just like, ah, oh, the freedom? I never would have done that. Right. I, you see, I, I, I wanted to. And I used to get away. I used to go in for non-uniform days. And I used to go in dressed up as like an alien or something. I went as an alien, a superhero. I went in all these elaborate costumes. And that was my way of showing something kind of inside me. And I would parade around school, like making alien noises and stuff. I was I was renowned in school for being crazy, but I did have my head down in class because I knew that I would end up in trouble and I was, couldn't bear to make anyone unhappy because the RSD really affected me when I was a teenager. And looking yeah. back, that was Yeah, severe. you mentioned that earlier, that rejection sensitivity yeah. oh, just worried you. What was... What, how did that, how did that strike you or how did that um, uh, exhibit if I was, itself? If I was told off, I would cry mm. and I would end up so distraught. It would just, it would just ruin my day. It could ruin a week. It would just be horrific. And I just couldn't understand why I would suffer like that. And other people didn't. I remember back when I was about 12 and I got, we had this red, yellow card system whereby if you got a yellow card, it was a warning. Red card, you got sent out of the classroom. And I got a yellow card because I was talking. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Uh, And um, I just, I I sat under the table crying for the entire session to the point I was hyperventilating. They had to let me go out the classroom because I had a yellow card. I mean, it was a warning. Nothing was going to be sent home and nothing was going to be done, but I had upset the teacher. I was just mortified. It was horrendous. And everyone was like, why is she crying? She's only got a yellow card. And it was just, it was just really, and that was why I was well behaved in school. It was fear. Uh, I did like school for the most part, to be fair. But it was kind of, if I don't do my homework, they're going to shout at me and I can't have that. It was, I lived on fear. Mm. But the only time I've not lived on fear was between the ages of zero and 10. And now I don't live on fear anymore. And it is so nice. (laughs) It is so nice. I genuinely just don't have the RSD like I used to. I still have it, but I don't have it like I used to. I feel like I feel like I I don't have it as much as I had when I was a kid. But I think it's the... um, the perfectionism and the difficulty <gasps> with criticism that exhibits itself as an adult and like compare, you know, the constant comparison to people who are so much farther ahead than you are 
for a good reason. You know, they've been doing it for years where you've yeah, been doing yeah. it for weeks, you know? Yeah, I get <laughs> that. That is the same. Oh, my goodness. So yeah, I, I get that. Been, that's sort of the adult version of it. Uh, I know. No, I totally agree with you. Like if I start something new, I'll be like, why am I not as good as this other person? And then I've been doing it for 10 years. I'm like, no, but I want to be as good as you. It's not fair. And if I don't get something instantly, I give up. Mm. And um, that is, that's quite annoying because I am naturally tenacious, but I, it's not that I want to give up. It's more that I compare myself to other people. No, I agree. I do do the comparison things. But again, in the last four months, that's really, that has lowered a lot compared to how I used to. Mm. It's, it's really improved. It really has. I Why can't do you say think that is? Do you think that's with, with your, you mean with your coaching business or just in general? Um, I am one of those people um, that is I've never cared that much about what people think of me. I know this sounds crazy with the RSD. I always cared about getting in trouble. That bothered me. But in terms of people thinking I'm weird or crazy or silly or loopy, I've never bothered that much about that. Um, and it's I was masking it to some degree. I thought on the 17th of July, I read an article about unmasking the day I got diagnosed. And I thought I'm not going to mask this anymore. I sent a message to all the customers saying... Um, look, I've been diagnosed with ADHD. It's not going to affect your child's lesson. Um, I'm not going on medication for it because um, I don't feel that I need any help with it. I've got this far and I aim to continue. Um, but I, I do have it and it's only going to make it better for me because now I know I can help even more people. And they all got back to me, wow, that's great. So I think some of them are like, oh, well, we haven't told us anything. <laughs> and I got, I, I didn't have anyone leave because of it. And the fact that no one left because of that, that was the biggest confidence boost. I kept my entire group of customers, even though I told every single one of them that I had been diagnosed with ADHD. I thought I'm going to come clean because not that I want to use it as an excuse, but I have had some difficult times in the past where I have not been able to tutor because I've been overwhelmed or I've ended up in tears because of something someone said to me. Um, and I thought, you know what, now I can be honest with them and say, I've got problems with my emotions today. I will have to skip this week. Um, and I have had to do that a couple of times. I mean, we're living through a global pandemic and They've all been so nice. And the thing that has made me realise you don't have to cover it up is because the majority of people actually are going to be really nice about it. And I've not really had any negativity about it. Um, I think partly because of the job I'm in, working with mainly children with some form of special needs. Um, but people are so nice. My mum tells everyone. She's in the park. She'll be like, oh, this is Annabelle. She's got ADHD. She won't <laughs> listen to you. Oh, great. Thanks to my mom. Mom. The whole park knows. She, she's all, seriously, I say, yeah, and my mum's close as well. Neither of us is going to be listening if my dad's here. He's not even on the same planet. I mean, I'm half zoned out. My dad's totally zoned out. My mum's listening, but she doesn't want to be here. It's like all three of us, we're very sociable people, but please don't talk to us for too long because none of us are able to focus. Um, it's, it's like that, seriously. Um, but it's it's a case of I'm not really bothered about having it. I find it it's I find it actually really quite refreshing because I'm proud of it. And I think if you're proud of something, you are not. It's not going to wear you down. And it's a pain at times, but. 
do you know what it's it's done so much for me and I wouldn't have got there without my parents I know I wouldn't wouldn't have this job without my parents so we get your dance videos are always so inspiring I wanted to ask I wanted to mention those too well I just think dance is so it's so much fun it's so much fun it's and I think it's so important too just in terms of our brains and that and that dump of of endorphin you know and yes yeah no I love all of that and I just I'm just one of those people that's like you know what I've got it can't do anything about it it's not that bad I mean I'm not sitting I'm not sitting here every morning thinking oh god I I love my job if I can't if I can't feel myself wanting to do it I'm just sitting there for god's sake brain just wake up and if I can't do it I just give it chocolate and to be fair if I give it chocolate it usually gets something done so (laughs) I'm like look how do I get dopamine quickly right chocolate and cheese yeah Uh, no, this has been so fascinating. I love listening to your your really? story, and I love listening to the way in your. I think you have. I, I it's very evident, you know that that focusing on the positive and the fact that like I didn't struggle, you know, and and I love that because there are a lot of things. Sometimes with ADHD, that people try to distinguish between like you know, relatable memes, like, oh, we all feel that once in a while. And then people with ADHD who are like, no, 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 you need to like, this needs to be like central to your life and your identity. And you need to really, really struggle with this. And there are times where I feel like I don't actually really struggle with like, like you said, like lateness, you know, I don't struggle with lateness. I'm actually a very prompt person. I do, however, sometimes have a really difficult time doing anything in the two hours leading up to that appointment. Waiting time. Right. So there's you know, there's ways in which we have different approaches where it's like we've built these structures for ourselves. <laughs> and, that's the worst. And, I'll have it for a week before oh, I'm doing something. I'll have it for like a week. I won't do anything. I'll be like, I'm going out in a week. Wait, <laughs> waiting. Time going so slowly. You know, I know. Yeah, that yeah. is the funniest meme ever. That was, I showed that to my mum. I was like, mum, you know that thing where I can't wait? Like, I just sit there, I'm like, someone's coming some point today yeah or even when I did my first self self test online where it was asking things about like do you hate the thought of somebody showing up at your house unannounced or do you hate sitting in traffic (laughs) or you know if you pick it if you pick the longest line at a grocery store do you do you feel like it's a moral failure and I'm like I'm like yeah I'm like no but like it never occurred to me all of these ways in which it it manifests I know you see I'm like that if there's like a long line at a grocery store I literally will go up to the check uh, go up to like customer service I'll be like look please can you open another one of these checkers because I'm not going to cope with this and I tell them now, I'm like I've got really bad ADHD and they're like oh okay 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 I'm like, yes I've got to use you for something you're no use to me in any way other than going it's like I've always oh queuing that is that's the worst yeah, that's worse yeah. than RSD queuing oh I know I can't um, queue Traffic drives me bonkers, and and I never really made that connection before, but, like, I will get so irrationally angry when I'm stuck in in heavy traffic, and I never understood why. I'm the same. It's honestly, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, yeah. It was it was been really lovely talking to you. Thank you so much. And I I love what you're doing out there for the ADHD world, and... um, using that energy for good and I think what you're doing is amazing and you the fact you've got the tenacity and the staying power to just kind of go for it and just 
do it and we're making a big difference that's the thing with adhd as i'm I, I just look at us and i think you know for people who are distracted and inattentive we do an awful lot <laughs> admittedly we have to want to do what we do but we do an awful lot i mean you've seen the artwork and everything produced by people with adhd it's just phenomenal so i don't it's not a deficit it's certainly not a deficit it's the opposite amen there you have it Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower, and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.